Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex Zalbin. I'm Justin Tyler. I'm Pete LePage. And none of us really exist, so we don't have any opinions, and that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye. Bye. Back to hell. Back to hell for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we're going to be talking about the third episode of FX's show, Legion, which is roughly based on the X-Men comic books of the same name, although also not at Very roughly. Very. Very loose. (laughs) Or not even close. Uh, Just the windows. Just the windows are based on X-Men comics. Right. I was going to get to that a little bit later. That was the first... Uh, But let's just jump right into it. I mean, we can get people caught up on Legion in a second, but one of the things we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks is how it actually ties into X-Men or not. And Noah Hawley, who created the show, has said that the answer is not really, uh, specifically that they want to earn being their own show before they start dropping Easter eggs or anything like that. But this week, they straight up dropped an Easter egg, and it was a window. It was an X-Window. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I lost my mind. I'm oh, crazy. man, I got so excited about Windows. I like, oh, oh, man. I can't wait for the wallpaper to be oh, like the do you think? I'm thinking maybe a, a, like an X lamp. Oh, that oh, would be yes, sick. Yes, dude. Uh, yes, oh. or like a refrigerator with oh, Jubilee. Man. Something. Yeah, yeah, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I totally defenestrated myself. It was sick. Uh, badass word. <laughs> Thank you very much. The What do you think it means, though? I mean, we first saw the ex behind Melanie, who we've speculated a little bit may or may not be some amalgam of Emma Frost, uh, the mutant who most people probably know from X-Men First Class, but from comic books. She's kind of evil, sometimes good, uh, Telepath, so that certainly ties into what we know about Melanie and the show, Gene Smart's character. And she then, al- and she also really sucks at drinking coffee. She, yes, yeah, she's very. She doesn't bad. get it. She doesn't get. It. <laughs> no, she doesn't understand how to drink coffee. But uh, yeah. the X first shows up behind her, uh, and uh, we've talked about the filming of the scenes a lot. How people are framed right in the middle. Her head is right in front of that X window. Meanwhile, David's head is in front of this sort of swirling vortex painting, right? And then it switches around later on where David is in front of the X window and she's in front of the swirling vortex. At the very least, emotionally, what I took from that is the person who is in control of themselves is in front of the window and the person who is losing control is in front of that vortex because when it switches around, Melanie 
is it a place where she just does not know what to do? But uh, I'm curious to hear from you guys. What did you take away from this big or not so big Easter egg? Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I felt to me like the, some producer was just like, why the fuck aren't we trying to associate with the X-Men in <laughs> some way here, people? Uh, yeah. Cool. I, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the X-Men, and that's fine. I'm really liking the show, but I, I don't think they need to force something, um, you know, just to be like, we're in the X-Men universe. I don't know. What about you, that's Justin? A, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like it. I think it's starting to point at, like, what is maybe real or what, because I think that X-Window makes me think, okay, so the Institute feels like a real place, and it's also in the, the X-Men world, which we know it is. So we're going to... I think slowly see more and more gathering steam till maybe the last episode when, um, I don't know, uh, Age of Apocalypse crosses over and it's like terrible. <laughs> right. I, I took it, I mean, and this is probably looking way too much into a window, but I took it as if this is essentially a superhero origin story as much as it can be with Legion, who has never strictly been a superhero even in the comic books, that having him in front of that X window shows he's gaining control that that is his ultimate destiny destiny is to be an X-Men X-Man in whatever iteration being an X-Man means in this universe. Uh, but that essentially that means to be on the side of good and fighting for people and having some sort of control of your powers. And that's what he's heading towards. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, com- I completely agree with you, Zalbin. You're reading way too much into that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, slim. The thing is, though, I don't want him to, like, be in an X-Men movie. I don't want him to, like, start hanging out with Wolverine. I feel like it's a much better story if he's on the fringes and we get him, like, meeting some, like, uh, like third-tier mutant, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, what's his name with the slugs uh, who come out? Metal slugs. Maggot. Oh my god! I, I'll tell you what. This, I would lose my mind if Maggot showed up on a TV show. Just not for <laughs> excitement, but just from how ridiculous that would be. For those who don't know Maggot, he was an X Men from was it the early two thousands? I think nineties. It was it was, it, it was Maggot, Maggot Marrow, and uh, the Doctor Reyes who could make the force fields. I think right. they were all introduced at the same time. Yeah, and Maggot's power was he had these two metallic literally like maggots uh, who were his external stomach. Was that the way that they described it? Where they could, that was cr- the reveal. Yeah. yeah. So the they could fun reveal <laughs> that he has stomachs that crawl around. Yeah. And they would eat things and then crawl back into him and give him energy powers. But he was also a blue ish South African mutant. There was a lot of stuff going on with maggot. That's my point. And that's what I'm saying. That's weird. And to have him be in this show, I think that makes much more sense than having mm-hmm. like a big Professor X like throwdown fight with Magneto at the tail end of a season. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I don't think that's necessarily something they're even heading towards that. They've been very cagey in particular. This is another thing that I wanted to talk about with uh, David's dad. You know, we haven't seen his face We don't know who he is or anything like that. Um, But something's going on with him. In the comics, it's Professor X. But here, I I feel like they're going for something different. What do you guys think? I agree with you. That guy in the the backlit dude in in the uh, bedtime story scenes is definitely not Professor X. So... I don't... It could be... I mean, I think we're in David's head for a lot of that, so it could be just uh, something we're seeing temporarily. Like, I feel like the man with the yellow eyes might be a 
a terrifying version of his father. Ooh, that would make that's sense creepy. to me. Yeah, rather than I, I, we've been speculating that maybe it's Mojo, who is a extra dimensional alien who creates TV programs for people's amusement, which still kind of makes sense to me. But the more we see the man with the yellow eyes, the less I think that's what's going on. I read something where uh, Noah Hawley was basing the man with the yellow eyes on um, Bob from Twin Peaks, sort of okay. like a mysterious force that shows up and we don't know where it's from or why it's there, but we just know that. It's evil and chaotic. Mm-hmm. That that would be very disappointing if it was something like that, where it doesn't ever get explained. That's just the creepy guy with the yellow eyes keeps showing up. That would drive me insane. Don't you have a creepy person that follows you around in your real life, Pete? Yeah, that's you. Oh, you're right. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I do think his dad is the uh, little doll guy. That's, I think, what his dad is. You think so? Uh, yeah, yeah. The one thing, we mentioned this a little bit the last time, but uh, this show is legitimately terrifying at points. I don't yeah. know that yeah. I've watched a TV show that is this scary in a really long time. The way that they do The Man with the Yellow Eyes is terrifying. The, what is it called? The World's Angriest Boy in the World is... The, yeah, the Angriest Boy is... Straight up terrifying. Yeah, and that's something new that was introduced this episode. I mean, we've had the man with the yellow eyes show up consistently. He's been the horror element in the show. We don't know what's going on with him, what the secret is. David clearly is hiding some sort of information because he doesn't want to mention the man with the yellow eyes to anybody. But then this episode, based off of the storybook, the last episode, uh, we finally saw a visual representation of the world's angriest boy in the world when he showed up on Halloween back when David was a kid. Do you think, yeah. are these two separate elements or are they tied into the same thing? Well, I would like to go back a, a little bit and just say that the this show is terrifying. I only watch it in the mornings. Uh, also, yeah. the... Um, the I would say not the most terrifying. Uh, the Outcast is I couldn't I had to turn that show off after like fifteen seconds. Oh sure, the uh, Outcast on Cinemax. The Robert yeah, Cameron that yeah. is crazy intense. So I would oh, feel well, like that's a little bit more intense than this. But this show freaks me the fuck out. What a sensitive little fella you are. <laughs> Don't call me You're little, like you most- son of a bitch. Okay, sensitive small fellow. Don't. Just say sensitive fellow. Uh, Pete, you know, I'm, I'm the tallest. I'm the tallest member of this podcast. I am very aware of that. Yeah, thank you, by the way, for clarifying the our heights for an audio podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> I like to drop a little Easter egg about us each show. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, Pete, I have a question for you. Are you just jealous that somebody else gets to be the world's angriest boy in the world? Is that? Is that your issue? <laughs> no, no. He, they, he can definitely have that title. <laughs> well, let's get back to it, though. What do you guys think? Are Is the man with the yellow eyes tied in some way to the world's angriest boy in the world, or are they all just different elements of David's psychosis or something else going on there? It, felt, it feels different. It feels like a different, but also they're both very scary in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to me, the, the man... And the yellow eyes is sort of the ongoing big issue for David to deal with. And the angriest boy is the manifestation of his earlier uh, problems with his powers. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of information that's being hid from us at this point, I think. I mean, we're seeing 
we're clearly seeing the skips in the memories when Tatami, uh, the mutant who can take him back into his memories, is unable to break through a block or David is forcing them to go somewhere else. You know, they're not really in control. David, as much as he is in control, is in control of the situation. Um, so there's, there's clearly some sort of trauma or multiple instances of trauma that we're just skipping over and we're not seeing yet. And I think we're going to slowly unfold. Uh, that actually gets into something that I loved about this episode. Um, I was initially a little disappointed that we were staying at the Institute this episode after having two such very different settings for the first two episodes. But the fact that we keep going back to the same scenes over and over and over and unveiling more information about them and looking at them from different angles, I think is really cool from the kitchen scene to the scene where he's getting high with Aubrey Plaza um, to even uh, the scene where he's talking to the psychiatrist. I thought that was awesome. Uh, What about you guys? Yeah. I feel like if you would tell me what that was going to happen, I was like, I would be very angry and not watch it. But Watching it, it is. It's it's doing such an amazing job with the storytelling that you're not mad at it. You're you're actually eating it up. Yeah, I agree. I love the layering. I feel like in like in the scene where they were back in the psychiatrist's office, and it was like a memory within a memory with the mm-hmm. sort of flickering images of of David and his psychiatrist talking to each other. That's awesome, and I think it yeah. really points to sort of the like onion nature of the show and and david's issues like i feel like he just has so many issues that we're going to work through them and maybe by the end of the season he's going to like be a a a superhero Mm -hmm. Uh, this powerful mutant also what i think is crazy is every time they're kind of in his mind there is something that is just for them like they cut to little different things where it's like pieces of his mind, like acknowledges the fact that there are people there watching, which is creepy and cool. Yeah. The, uh, I will say my one little piece of disappointment with this episode, and this is something we talked about last episode on our podcast is as comic book readers, we're still a little bit ahead of say Tonomy and Melanie and all the other characters of the Institute, Uh, if it does in fact turn out this way because they don't understand how he is exhibiting all these different powers. They don't understand where they're coming from, but we know as comic book readers, he has different personalities and they each have different powers. Um, So I kind of, I want them to get there and it feels like they're starting to get there towards the end of the episode, but I did feel that a little bit of a well of frustration being like, come on, figure it out, figure it out. We know what's going on, figure it out. (laughs) Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm super frustrated about the fact that they're training him while his sister is being tortured. That is driving me insane. Like each time they're like, oh, maybe you're going to save him now. Save her now. They don't. And it's really getting upsetting. But I like that's driving David insane, too. I mean, in this episode, we had him and uh, Sid going to seeing the eye torturing, the eye and the other guy torturing his sister. But I I do think it. To your point, Alex, about the different personalities exhibiting different powers, how are you going to tell me that Sid is a real person after this episode? The whole thing is she is one of the personalities that has been put into his brain. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of clues in this episode. And a couple that I don't quite make sense, but the shower scene in the beginning, I feel like, was just him in both personalities uh, shower. Oh, that's creepy, dude. Don't put that out there. That is creepy. I really think it is in all the scenes where um, 
David and Gene Smart and the other guy are, are going into in that conference room, she's always on the outskirts as if she's mm-hmm. not there. The scene when he's in the in the uh, operating theater, um, hooked up to the with the electrodes. The doctor's talking to someone, and she's like, me? And then the other assistant comes through. It's like yeah. a classic, is that person real moment. Mm-hmm. I really think Sid is not real. Don't you take Prove Sid away me from me. Wrong. Don't you do she's that, not you real, son Pete. of a bitch. Fuck you, man. Next <laughs> you better episode, be real. Pete, next episode, we're not even, Alex and I aren't even going to know who Sid is. Yet. Only uh-huh. you will know. <laughs> I actually, oh, I, I don't know who Sid is. Is that one of the characters on the show? Oh, dude, come on now. Don't play with no. my emotions like this. It's just someone what? Pete keeps talking about. Pete, can Audrey? we talk to Sid? Can we Audrey? talk to Sid? <laughs> Is Sid here right now, Pete? I'm so glad. we. I was nervous we weren't going to get Aubrey Plaza in an episode. Uh, she is so amazing in the show. It's like this little reward every show that we get. They better not take that away. Wait, Pete, I feel like you're getting away from the whole Sid thing, which actually yeah, deserves don't Sid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I purposely did that because oh, I, I, I don't see. like it when you guys are fucking with my mind because we're actually in somebody else's mind right now. So that's also, you know, really yeah, true. but I did want to talk about it a little bit more because I'm starting to buy into your theory a little bit more, Justin. Certainly I was watching it. Yeah, and I agree. It was the same thing. Like it was the classic sixth sense thing where people are talking in the right direction, but not talking to the right person. That exactly. said, there are some scenes where people are talking to her and for example, the point when they go into David's mind with Sid and Sid hugs Kid oh, David. Oh, that was the greatest moment. It was beautiful. Therapy I love that emotional. Scene. I couldn't it believe cool. it. She finally got to touch him. It was very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and the doctor that, completely acknowledged Sid. So fuck all you guys. Sid's real. But I think the big clue there is they were in David's head. So Sid exists in David's head. But in the real world, she's like, no one can touch Sid, no one could uh, date Sid, like Pete couldn't date Sid, uh, no one can take Why Sid home Why would you throw that out there like that? Yeah, you're not allowed to date her, Pete, sorry. That's, you guys can't tell me how to live. You stay away from my Sid. <laughs> I, I will mention there was one weird, interesting reaction from Sid that seemed almost totally separate from the is she real or not discussion when uh, David is in the operating theater and he starts to freak out and exhibit his powers. He, I guess sort of switches with the man with the yellow eyes. He has floating powers or something like that. Uh, And he starts floating in the air. Sid comes in. This is right before they're sucked through the portal or whatever happens to where uh, uh, David's sister is. Sid looks up, sees him floating and smiles a little bit. I know that's kind of a little thing, but there's definitely something more going on with her. You know, she's a very different character than she was in the first episode. She seems more confident overall. She seems more in control overall and proactive overall. And the idea that she was seeing David exhibit these other powers, it to me, I took it almost as a knowing smile. It almost seemed like maybe you have the Institute and the Institute really is what it seems on the surface that you have. Melanie is trying to train people and make them better and keep mutants free from district three who wants to, uh, not district three division three who wants to destroy them for the safety of the world. It almost seemed like Sid is maybe a mole for a third organization, some other organization. Screw you, dude. Well, that's oh trying gosh. to recruit David. Like clearly, it's a very X-Men thing to have the most powerful mutant in the world be it's the center of a war between 
deferring factions with no clear yeah. loyalties. And I feel like we got to see more of that at some point. I wonder if Sid is a representative of even another group. What do you guys think about that? I think, I think that's it's crazy talk. She's nothing but an angel, and you guys are trying to put <laughs> these theories on her. But did you notice, though, when uh, he was like, all I care about is my sister, how dejected she looked? Sid was, like, heartbroken when, when he said that out loud. But here's why I think, because Sid, uh, I don't think she's working for another organization. I think who she's working for is Legion, the the internal politics of Legion. She's trying to gain control. So it, David staying at the Institute and learning to control his powers makes her more powerful. And the reason she was sad when he said, I only care about my sister is like, fuck, he's going to try to go get his sister and leave the Institute where I am becoming more powerful as Legion becomes more powerful. Mm. Oh, interesting. Um, I think Sid, I think Sid might be the big bad by the end of it. Oh, dude, screw you. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not even saying that to make you angry, Pete. It's just a fact. She's a monster. No, don't you say you don't know that about Sid. You don't know that. I know Sid. We all have our Sid's piece. (laughs) What what else did you guys notice in the episode? I mean, certainly we found out some more information about the I and Division Three. They certainly expressed to uh, David's sister that they know that David isn't really schizophrenic, that there's more going on there. Yeah. And they also whether this was a technique to get them her on their side or not, seemed to express that they had everybody's best interest in part. Uh, but what do you think is going on? Or do you think they are bad guys or good guys, or does it not even matter? Well, I think it, what's weird is, like, if you're trying to convince somebody, like, the whole point is they were like, oh, you need to stay here for questioning. We think you're crazy. And then admitting that her brother isn't crazy and she knew that the whole time, that's a weird tactic, I felt like. Uh, and it yeah. kind of went against what they were originally doing. Also, they're doing a good job of being like, who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? Because like that weird-ass coffee moment makes me think, like, I don't know if I can trust her. She doesn't know how to drink coffee. Why the <laughs> fuck are we following her so much? And then they show, other than the like, it, the dark lighting and the leeches. Like I don't know how bad they are. You know, it is. Well, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's hard to tell if they are really torturing her or or what's the deal with those guys. They might just be. They could be. They could be the X Men themselves, or you know, the eye seems like he's a a, a mutant. We don't know anything about anything right now. Yeah. I just to mention about the coffee machine, because I thought that was just such a nice, weird, interesting thing to add into the episode. Oh, you like that? You I like love that? that. I what are you it. talking about? That was so weird. Like I, I, I have that moment. I hate coffee. So I love that scene. <laughs> that was wasting coffee. That was her morning dumping no. out coffee. It's her husband, right? I mean, that's what she revealed yes. later on is her husband died. And I guess his consciousness, maybe that was his power, is in that coffee machine. So all she does is get what? this. Yes. She gets yeah. this coffee. In the elevator. Yeah. Her husband is a coffee machine. Uh, that's what you want me to believe. Sometimes I feel like my wife is a coffee machine. What does that mean? You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't, know, I don't know what that means, but it I'm sounds. I'm not going to stand here and let you say things like that about your so, wife. Your no, wife no, is amazing. So, sometimes I, I feel like I'm married to coffee. 
That, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. Right. I've always said, I've always said, Alex, your wife is a coffee machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. His consciousness is in there. It's the only record that she clearly has of him or one of the only records she has with him. And that's her way of interacting with him is she hears his story of from her husband over and over. The way she hears the story is by ordering a cup of coffee from him. So she dumps it out so she can get it again, hear the story again and honor his memory. It's really cool. I I also imagine her on the elevator just pressing all the buttons and hearing him (laughs) say third floor legions Uh. room. Fourth floor. What's on the fourth floor? I don't know. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. That's the big reveal I'm hoping for. Yeah. Hopefully oh, also, more action. Didn't, didn't you think it was weird when he was like, hey, are you a city girl? And she was like, I lived on the 31st floor. Like, that was weirdly specific and not answering to the question. This show's all about elevators, man. That's where yeah. it's going. <laughs> the original title of the show was actually Elevator instead of Legion. Yeah. Yeah. They changed it because the X-Men wanted to be involved. I think what it's going to be is it's a reveal of this guy named Otis who invented the original elevator, and this is all his dream. Oh, man. Listen, as long as they introduce Maggot by the end of the season, I'm all for it. <laughs> so yeah. Maggot bef- on the elevator. Before we move on, let's quickly talk about the ending. What do you guys think is next? We are in, it seems like a deeper piece of uh, David's head where a bunch of different characters that we haven't seen before are all yelling at him. I felt like this is the reveal, right? That he has all these personalities and that's what we're heading towards next episode. Is that what you guys got out of it? 100%. I hope so. We're going to start to put together the bigger pieces starting this coming episode. I mean, I feel like they did a good job of like, what about all those voices that he hears like bringing that up again? Uh, which I think is important to who he is. So, yeah, I, I hope we get there, but also it's just kind of a tie-in to, like, it might be a giveaway or just might be the same old shit. Gotcha. And I also think that everyone on this show is uh, lying or withholding the truth from David. So I think see, we're going to start to see it all spin apart, and David's going to have to get control enough to pick out who's who's lying to him about what. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like Ab- Audrey Plaza said, her secrets have secrets. <laughs> well, let's, before we go, speaking of Aubrey Plaza and other things, because yes. we've argued about this before, what is real? What was real in this episode? Pete, what do you think? Uh, the frog is the only thing that's real other than Audrey Plaza. She is an absolute gift in this whole show. She's so magical. It's unbelievable. Mm. Uh, much like Sid, Aubrey's not real. The only Dude, thing- screw you! The only things that are real are, uh, I think, the, the conference room and the Institute. The Institute, I feel like, is our baseline reality. Mm-hmm. You, you have uh, no proof of that. But not, I, well, we've talked about it, uh, but not even all parts of it. I think some parts of it are taking place in, like, the operating theater is hard to tell. The, the doc, Carrie, the doctor's assistant, feels like she vanishes a lot. So that yeah. might be in his head as well. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say that opposite of popular internet memes the cake is not a lie because it looked like a pretty delicious cake that our replies was eating so uh, i'm gonna say that's real that's the only thing in the episode that was real just the cake just yep. the cake everything else was everything else was fake except for the cake wow great stuff i do think that was a real memory but you notice mm-hmm. when his girlfriend who i think's name was philly yeah. when she walks in the room aubrey vanishes oh no she didn't she did 
she didn't vanish on camera, but you don't see she never acknowledges Aubrey in the room. She only talks to David. But Aubrey grabs the cake and eats the cake. I think that was David, uh, Aubrey in control of, of David. I'm saying that I guess a better way to say it is the girlfriend never acknowledges both David and Aubrey. There was that scene where she says, hello, Aubrey Plaza, who was on Parks and Recreation. Are you enjoying my cake? So I feel like that contradicts it a little bit. Yeah, it totally does. Mm. Suck on that. That that takes place in your head, Alex. (laughs) All right. And this podcast takes place in our collective heads. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Inside Legion. If you're ever in New York, we do a regular live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Pit Loft. It's totally free. Also, if you'd like to support this show and the other shows we do, you can go to patreon.com slash comicbookclub. Other places you can check us out, comicbookclublive.com. Pete, you want to tell them about the Facebook? Yeah, please friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on the show. Follow us on Twitter at comicbooklive. And we'll see you next time for more Inside Legion. You know, I'm going to go check out the other parts of this body. Like the <laughs> bad idea, bro. Like the stomach. Yeah. Oh, oh. Look out for the maggots. Yeah.